Welcome to the Georgia 2024 show brought to you by the Georgia Record. Uh, we have a packed show today. Uh, a lot of people stay to the end because all the information is going to be fantastic. We've got Laura Loomer direct from the Spy Museum secret conference that Brad Raffensperger put on in Washington, D.C. last week. We've got Brant Frost from the Georgia Republican Party, Susan Oprasuth, and a special video we did. We joined Laura Loomer at the Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. last week. And uh, I think you'll find it quite humorous. Uh, we're going to play this four-minute clip here shortly. Before we get there, uh, we had another cyber attack this week. And, um, you know, we are at the tip of the spear. If you know anything about CDM and the Georgia record, we've been out there, out front, saying things that other people are really just afraid to say. We were early in Ukraine in 2015 on the Biden crime family. We were way early on the vaccine injured. We were early on the Wuhan lab release. So if you want to know the truth, the Georgia record and CDM are right there. So you're not going to get what you get elsewhere. And for that, we are constantly attacked. We've been deplatformed off 25 channels from Silicon Valley. We've been, uh, we've had death threats. We've had our bank accounts wiped. We're deplatformed off all ad platforms with Google, except for a couple small of, of our smaller sites that still haven't been kicked off. Uh, literally, they are trying to starve our revenue. They're thre threatening our advertisers. So uh, we need your help. And the way you can do that is to support free media. You know, Tucker's gone. Fox is gone. Where are you going to go? CDM is filling the void, but we need your support financially. You can do that by uh, getting something for yourself, which is a no-ad experience. If you sign up for our no-ad subscription, you get access to all our sites from around the world. Uh, we're launching the Colorado Free Press next week. Uh, so that we are active, running to the sound of the guns to support free media and free speech and to tell you the truth. So sign up for our no-ad subscription. It's 10 bucks a month or you can buy a yearly with a discount and, uh, and support us and put us in your daily scan, sign up for our newsletters, tell your friends, uh, sign up for the push notifications. We are throttled. They're throttling us. We lose a hundred telegram followers a day. Uh, we're down to half of what we started with. Uh, and I know that's not due to bad reporting. So please support us with our no ad subscriptions with that. I want to play a short clip. We did. We drove to DC uh, Bill Quinn and I and confronted uh, the election fraud spy masters having their election conference at the Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. And we put together a short clip about it. So I'm going to play this now and uh, see what you think. I think you'll find it interesting. We're here at the International Spy Museum where there is a conference with the Center for Election Integrity Research run by David, David Becker, who formed Eric just resigned from the board. A lot of Georgia people here, so the Georgia record is here, and we're gonna talk about what they're doing. We've got Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, Jordan Fuchs, Ryan Germany, and Gabe Sterling is also gonna be at the event. We approached uh, Ryan Germany uh, as he walked into the event, and we're waiting for Brad Raffensperger to show up, but the Georgia record is bringing you live from Washington, D.C. at the International Spy Museum, so stay tuned.
the attorney for Brad Raffensperger, right? You're the attorney for uh, Brad Raffensperger? No, not exactly. Well, you are. but it seems that all of them are the ones who have the most bloated voter rolls. We have an article on that on CDM.press right now, if you want to check that out. But uh, Bill and I will talk about this more later, about what we've done this morning. It's been an interesting morning, but uh, CD Media and the Georgia Record are here at the Spy Museum, and we're watching what's coming and going for this election fraud conference. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we had fun putting it together. Uh, Laura Loomer is fantastic. She was up in the grill of all these uh, election integrity people like Brad Raffensperger, Ryan Germany, Jordan Fuchs, uh, Gabe Sterling. All the notorious characters from 2020 were there and you wonder what they were doing. And they were forced to live stream the incident after they were outed that they were having this secret conference not open to the public. And um, but of course you don't get the side conversations, the sidebar, the secret conversations in the, in the side rooms. So uh, not a lot of transparency there as to what actually was going on. So uh, again, Georgia record got on the plane and went up there and uh, we, we put that together ourselves and, uh, and we're lucky enough to be there with Laura. So uh, thank you for watching that. I'm going to bring on Laura. Now we had a conversation with her earlier this morning and let her give her opinion as to what happened. So we had the opportunity to sit down with Laura Loomer and find out how she discovered the secret spy museum conference with the election integrity uh, people around the country. Laura, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great seeing you as well in uh, D.C. this week. So, yeah, that, that was fascinating. I, I don't think they expected any media coverage, which I find even more fascinating. But tell us how you found out about it, how you broke the story and, and what the reaction was. So, you know, the thing is, is with these groups like CEIR and a lot of these other, uh, you know, shady election organizations, like there's another one in Florida, for example, called Florida Supervisors of Elections, Inc., mm -hmm. which pretends to be a government agency, right? Right. Uh, they, they have these websites and then they have links, right, for events that are kind of hidden on their site or, you know, put in locations where you wouldn't exactly notice it if you were to... Mm -hmm just be looking at their site. And so um, somebody I know, an election integrity activist in Florida uh, had, uh, had sent me a link to, uh, to the CEI website. And I was looking around and 
uh, it said they were having a summit, but there really wasn't a lot of information about it. They just had mm -hmm. the date of the summit. They didn't have anything indicating that it was going to be live streamed. There were no tickets available. And then when I started digging into this more, I saw that it was invite only. And when I looked at uh, the speakers list, they weren't announcing who all their speakers were. They only had seven of the speakers listed and it said uh, to be announced. And I thought to myself, this is really strange because we're a month out from this conference, which because I, you know, a month of preparation really went into all of this uh, looking in, looking into this uh, conference. And I said, there's no details about you know, like what they're really going to be doing here, aside from the fact that all of the most notorious uh, supervisors of elections from the 2020 stolen election are going to be there. And then when I started looking into CEIR more, obviously mm -hmm. I know about CEIR because of their involvement in 2020 and the fact that David Becker, who is the founder of ERIC, uh, was hosting this conference. And given that I live here in Florida, a state that recently just pulled out of ERIC, mm -hmm. and I'm very involved with election integrity, uh, integrity grassroots organizations, uh, I, I found it to be very suspicious that the founder of ERIC wanted to have a conference with the most notorious supervisors of elections and elections officials from key swing states. It's not just any state, right? These are it's not like everybody from all 50 states were there. These are very and, and with all the most bloated voter rolls. All, yes, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so given the fact that I also know that David Becker just resigned over a month and a half ago from Eric uh, after more state legislators were putting pressure on uh, on their governors and secretaries of states to drop out of Eric due to Becker's ties to uh, people like George Soros, which is mm -hmm. documented through his uh, uh, working history with Pew Charitable Trust and also the fact that he received $69.5 million from Mark Zuckerberg in 2020. Um, I thought, wow, this really needs to be investigated. So I first broke the story about it on my sub stack in an exclusive report. And then I decided, wow, if they're not going to disclose like who the rest of the attendees are and uh, it's not going to be open to the public, I'm just going to have to fly out there with my team and go investigate this for myself. So Further embedded on the site was a room block code uh, for the Hilton, which was right across the street from the International Spy Museum. And so I assumed, of course, that this is where they were going to be staying. And so my team and I, uh, Angela uh, Vanderplum, who also works with me, and you met her when we were mm -hmm. in D.C., uh, we decided, okay, let's just uh, let's just take a bet that this is where they're going to be staying since they're offering this uh, room block, and we booked it. And then, literally, the day after I published my expose about this, which was about three weeks leading up to this conference, the room block information, the name of the hotel was removed, and right, right. after I had given people a call to action to contact the secretaries of states who are currently listed as speakers. And there, there's another organization tied to CEIR called EOLDN. It's called the mm -hmm. Election Official Legal Defense Network. And they provide pro bono legal representation to election officials who are dealing with election deniers, aka over 70% of Americans who right. believe, according to recent polls, that show that they don't believe that the election was legitimate. And so uh, that's what we ended up doing. And that ended up being the hotel that they were staying at. And we flew out and uh, we confronted them on video. And we weren't, of course, able to get access into the event because it was closed to the public and invite only. And when 
we made an issue of the fact that this could potentially be a violation of state ethic laws. For example, in Florida, if you're an elected official, um, you're not allowed to have these private meetings discussing your position unless you disclose what was discussed to the public. It's called Florida yeah. Sunshine Laws. Yeah. That's when they decided to put a live stream link up for people to see. But Notice they didn't pan to the audience. It's not like you're able to see who all the attendees were. And because they had undercover operatives there, as you saw and encountered mm -hmm. with me and were a mm -hmm. witness to seeing yourself, mm -hmm. uh, they were putting people in through backdoor entrances and being very secretive about who was coming into this conference and who was leaving. And we didn't obviously have a live stream of all the sidebar side conversations they were having, you know, in rooms or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. the guy who came out and asked us for a, a good restaurant in the local area was the guy who ended up blocking the camera from the, the elevator with Brad Rapp. Yeah, he ended up being undercover yeah. and undercover. I don't know if he's a police officer, a fed or just an yeah. undercover private security guard, but they literally, and you're, you can tell your audience and your viewers yeah. this too. We're sitting there and all of a sudden this guy who looks like a total glow boy. And yeah. if you don't know what a glow boy is, it's a fed, you know, that yeah. meme of the guy wearing the, you know, like the Navy green shirt and the khaki shorts and the, the baseball hat. And right. he just stood there and next to us sitting on the bench for like nine hours. Yeah, we I went up to him and I said, what, how you doing, man? What's going on? He's like, Oh, I'm just hanging out. And then <laughs> meanwhile, every single time that we were walking around, they would make a phone call or text on their phone. And then yeah. another glow boy fed would come around the corner and monitor us. And then we had people inside that were filming us and then denying that they were undercover cops or undercover operatives filming us trying to monitor our location. So we, we're going to talk about the Georgia people who were there in a second, but tell us who else you went after and confronted there at the conference. Raskin for one, right? Yeah. So, of course, we weren't able to get inside, like I said, because it is a secret conference. And I love how the leftists are now trying to say, oh, how is it a secret conference if it was live streamed? First of all, they had no intentions of live streaming this until we had people call these elected officials and tell them that they would file ethics complaints against them if it wasn't disclosed to the public. Secondly, mm -hmm. um, you know, we we saw Jamie Raskin, of course, who's who's the impeachment manager uh, for the impeachment of President Donald Trump, a Democrat congressman who, of course, is also uh, one of the ringleaders on the J6 committee. Uh, a day before this conference began, he was calling for seditious conspiracy charges to be brought against President Trump. He was walking in and with Brad Raffensperger speaking at the same exact time, they were the keynote speakers talking about trauma that was inflicted upon them by Trump supporters and anybody who, well, they call them, you know, election deniers, even though, yeah. you know, majority of Americans believe that the election was stolen. Um, uh, CNN was there not reporting on the conference, but actively participating in this with Raffensperger, uh, the Maricopa County election officials who are at the center of Carrie Lake's lawsuit right now that is uh, in the middle of a trial as we speak. Uh, people like Bill Gates, uh, the Maricopa County supervisor, uh, Adrian Fontes, who is the secretary of state of Arizona, uh, who also was a lawyer representing the cartels under the Obama administration and Operation Fast and Furious. Uh, Ray Valenzuela, who oversees election operations for early voting in the state of Arizona. Uh, you had Jocelyn Benson, the secretary of state of Michigan. Yeah, you, you had Jenna Griswold, the secretary of state from um, from from uh, Colorado. And, and we were mostly able to confront and get video footage of the Georgia officials and the Arizona officials. And then also uh, I chased down David Becker, the founder of oh, Eric really? and the founder of this conference. And okay. so 
that video is all going to be released next week. We've released um, the Raffensperger clips so far and some of the Arizona clips. And even President Donald Trump shared my uh, video confrontation with Brad Raffensperger. So you also got in front of uh, Major Garrett. That was kind of an interesting conversation. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, so Major Garrett uh, likes to bill himself as one of the chief political reporters or correspondents for CBS News. And uh, when he was walking in, I said, hey, uh, aren't you supposed to be nonpartisan as a member of the media? Why are you here at this election fortification conference with the founder of Eric, who uh, is a radical leftist? Uh, I mean, I'm talking David Becker. This is all documented. He used to be a lawyer, for example, for the DOJ and uh, under the Civil Rights Division. And his superior said that he was so unethical and so partisan for the left in his position that he recommended that he be fired and disbarred from ever being able to practice law again. Wow. And so Major Garrett was there. And when I called him out, he said, oh, I'm just a participant. Um, I'm a member of the media. I'm here participating. I said, no, you're not. You literally co-authored the book with David Becker, uh, The Big Truth. And I pulled it out in front of me and asked him if this was a part, if this was a nonpartisan conference and read sections of the book to him in which they were bashing President Trump. That's and when he got, got angry. And he got like really pissed off with me, of course. <laughs> and then he went inside and right. was all flustered. You know, I think that he was just so enthralled with the fact that this, you know, young 29 year old was like, oh, my God, it's Major Garrett. Right. Because all these people are narcissists <laughs> and they think they have such big fan clubs, but yeah. he wasn't expecting to get ambushed. So let's talk about Georgia. Brad Raffensperger was there, but also Ryan Germany, his uh, former attorney, supposedly, although he was. Well, he says, right. He says that he's no longer counsel. So this was another very weird interaction as well. So uh, living in Georgia, you know, having Georgia publications and being from Georgia and anybody that studied uh, the, the 2020 election and, and is still following the investigation in Georgia <laughs> um, knows who Ryan Germany is. Ryan Germany, of course, served as the general counsel for Brad Raffensperger, uh, the secretary of state of Georgia. He's also one of the individuals who participated in the recording of the phone call that President Trump had mm -hmm. with Brad Raffensperger in January of 2021, in which President Trump had said, hey, this is a rigged election. When he said, you owe me more votes, he was talking about the fact that like you, you know, this is a rigged election. You there's votes out there that, you know, are being contested you and you need to count. He wasn't yeah. like trying to hold him up and yeah. hold him hostage or something like the left wing media is trying to falsely accuse him of. And of course, they did this. I find it ironic that the media, Caitlin Collins at CNN, hounded President Trump about this the same day that we released our clip on Raffensperger, almost as a way to kind of like run cover for him. And of course, they didn't disclose the fact that they were with Brad Raffensperger uh, just two days prior to the CNN town hall at this election fortification summit. So mm -hmm. um, Ryan Germany, then when I asked him and you were there to witness this, oh, um, are you? You're the you're the general counsel for Brad Raffensperger. Mm -hmm. He immediately ran to the police that were standing on the side right there because they yeah. called the cops on us when they saw that we were outside this uh, you know conference confronting these officials. The cops were like, "Okay, like, what do you want us to do? They're not doing anything illegal. They yeah. threatened to arrest your colleague if he yeah. went inside the conference because the officials from this conference literally lied to the cops and said that your colleague, Bill, tried accessing the um, 
what was it like? The, it was the loading dock, but actually, it was when he was inside the building going to the bathroom. I think it was. He, he wasn't was even. He wasn't even trying to sneak in. He was just looking <laughs> yeah. to see if there was another entrance. And then they said, "If we see you do it again, we're going to arrest you." And then yeah. the cops were listening to us. And when I walked up to them, they were looking me up. And then they went on Project Veritas's website because they were clearly, you know, reading my Wikipedia to see that I previously worked for Project Veritas. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it looks like Project Veritas was there too, right? Because we're seeing not Project Veritas. Uh, oops, you know, forgive me for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Project Veritas, you know, committed this coup against James O'Keefe. So now it's called OMG Media, O'Keefe Media Group. Um, but, um, of course, you know, it's very personal for me because I love James O'Keefe very dearly. I got my start working for project Veritas, but, mm -hmm. um, it looks like there were, there were several people that were investigating these elections officials and, uh, we'll see what other kind of footage comes out. Yeah, uh, we're sure. I noticed Epoch times put a piece out this morning or a couple days ago. Yeah. But, um, what about Raffensperger? Talk last thing. Talk, talk to me about you. You confronted him. What did he have to say? Well, he didn't have to say anything, right? It's funny how these people all have such big mouths and they want to talk a bunch of crap. And mm -hmm. when they're they're such big tough guys behind the camera, right? And when they're with CNN, oh, these fascists, oh, these election deniers, these insurrectionists, and they mm -hmm. call us all types of names. But when you get a camera in their face and you're up in their grill like I was with Raffensperger, he just sits there and... I mean, I'll tell you right Mark. now, you, yeah. you could you could literally see his butthole pucker up when I was asking him questions because he knew that he was busted. Yeah. And um, I asked him why he's attending an election conference that's funded by Zuckerberg. As we know, just four days prior to this conference, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who's also another so-called Republican, uh, signed a bill to ban Zuckerberg. So technically speaking, if Brad Raffensperger used taxpayer funds from Georgia taxpayers to attend this, election conference he's in violation of georgia law because yeah. because i don't understand like why are they meeting with people that are receiving millions of dollars from mark zuckerberg and what exactly is brad raffensperger going to do and how is he gonna ethically this is what i asked him oversee the election in georgia when He's speaking and agreeing with Jamie Raskin, who's literally trying to get charges of seditious conspiracy against Trump right now so that Trump can't be on the ballot in 2024. It's just total BS to say that this conference was nonpartisan like they're trying to claim. So then they blocked you from talking to him. They pushed him into the elevator and... and yeah, he was really scared, of course, because yeah. I followed him from the conference into the hotel lobby. And then security was yelling at me. And then he had not only undercover... I don't know if these were feds. I mean, look, they could have been FBI agents for all I'm yeah, concerned yeah. because we know that the FBI is conspiring with Mark Zuckerberg and these election officials uh, to influence our election. This is not a conspiracy theory. This was all uncovered in the GOP House uh, Oversight Committee where mm -hmm. you saw these these officials from alphabet letter agencies and the big tech social media companies and the FBI colluding on a private cloud server called JIRA. So. Yeah. This is not like some wild conspiracy like the media is trying to frame it. Uh, personally, I'm grateful that the Epoch Times picked up this report, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't have called it a conspiracy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to be critical of Epoch Times, yeah. but I, I do think that um, I showed enough evidence and source pretty much everything in my expose for them to call it like legitimate factual information as opposed to a claim. Right. Yeah, we, sure. we, we have yeah. tons of evidence that this election was stolen, but these leftists and even these Republican rhino secretaries of state just want to gaslight everybody into thinking that it wasn't. 
Completely agree. So uh, how do people see all your video and uh, how do they stay in touch and put see everything you're putting out? Because it's a yeah. lot. <laughs> well, like I said, the videos haven't all been released yet because uh -huh. you were there with us. It's hours of footage. So yeah. if you want to watch the videos from Raffensperger and the Arizona officials, um, they're on my YouTube and my Rumble channel at uh, Laura Loomer. Or you can um, you can subscribe. The best place really is to go to my Substack, mm -hmm. lauralumer.substack.com. It's free mm -hmm. to subscribe. Um, and you can watch all the videos there. Uh, but if you do want to support my independent journalism, uh, you can upgrade your subscription for $7 uh, per month. But um, I do believe that my content uh, should, for the most part, be free because not everybody can afford, uh, you know, $7 a month and everybody deserves the truth regardless of their financial situation. So well, uh, I'm no. also back on Twitter now. You can follow me since I've been unbanned after being banned for five years <laughs> at Laura Loomer. I'm on Getter, Truth Social and Gab at Laura Loomer. And then my Telegram channel is Loomered, L-O-O-M-E-R-E-D, official. So you're definitely the tip of the spear. So if people want to support people who are getting the truth out, that's that's a good place to put some funds. But thank you for coming on, Laura. I want to have you back because uh, we were obviously thinking the same way because we showed up at the same place. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, and I also just want to say, like, I'm really grateful to you. You're one of the uh, few people that actually, you know, took interest when I was banned everywhere. And when I was running for Congress, you sat down with me and did an interview to try to get my story out sure. about how these these big tech executives illegally interfered in my races. I should be in Congress right now. And the yeah. only reason I'm not is because these big tech social media tyrants made me the only deplatformed candidate in the nation denied access to all social media. I wasn't allowed to have a personal account or even a campaign account. So, you know, this is real. This is not, you're speaking to somebody right now, as you know, who literally had my election interfered in and stolen by these big tech executives. Well, hopefully that's going to come out. Conference. Hopefully all that's going to come out in Florida as we continue to push. But you couldn't even order an Uber for a while, right? Are you yeah, no, like banned on Uber, Lyft, Uber <laughs> Eats, uh, PayPal, Venmo, GoFundMe, Cash yeah. App, Chase Bank, online banking, uh, shut me down for a while. And then only like randomly reverse course after Dinesh D'Souza and many others came out and said, yeah, I didn't want to talk about this, but actually I was also banned from Chase Bank. And then it became a scandal. And then Project wow. Veritas caught them on camera saying that they were denying bank account access to people who lacked uh, who lacked integrity, whatever the hell that means, a.k.a. Yeah. if you're a Trump supporter. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks for coming on, Laura. When I have you back. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So it was an exciting time up in D.C., and uh, we've got some more exciting guests coming. we got Brant Frost coming on in a second of the Georgia GOP vice chair and the involved in the Georgia Republican Assembly. I want to, before we do that, talk about one of our sponsors, MyPillow. You all know MyPillow. You all know Mike. Uh, it's promo code CDM. He's got huge sales going on, but right now you can get towels for 25 bucks. I mean, you know, I've been to Walmart. I bought the Chinese garbage, washed it twice and it turned, you know, from blue towels to yellow towels, tie dye. So, you know, you don't have this problem with Mike. They're real towels. They actually work. They actually absorb the water when you get out of the shower. Just don't spread it around your body. And uh, they're made in America. So, you know, why support these big box retailers? You know, go to Mike, use promo code CDM, get the massive discounts and I know Mike's been all over with a lot of his products, but if you haven't been to a site and look around, you really don't know what's there. So uh, check it out. He's got over 600 products. Everybody has a new bride coming or a graduate that's having a new house. 
that needs towels and sheets and everything. So outfit them through mypillow.com. Use promo code CDM. You know, I uh, I have the entire sleep system. I have, uh, unfortunately, I snore a lot, and uh, so I bought the pillows and the and the com- or the comforters and the sheets and the mattress topper, which is fantastic. I love it. And you know, I started using it, and uh, my wife rolls over the next morning and says, "You know, you didn't snore." So that is important, and uh, the pillows work. You do have to fluff them up in the in the dryer first, uh, but uh, please support Mike. And you, and if you support Mike, you support free media and CDM. So it's a win-win all the way around because you're not getting ripped off and you're getting very high quality. So promo code CDM. So we sat down with Brent Frost, uh, who's the vice chair, and he's running again for that position of the Georgia GOP. I think you'll find it an interesting conversation. So we sat down this week with Brent Frost, who is the second vice chair of the Georgia GOP, and uh, he agreed to chat with us a bit on what's going on in Georgia with the Grand Old Party. Thanks for coming on, Brent. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, the convention's coming up. There's a lot of party issues swirling. What do you see as the biggest issues we face uh, going into the GOP convention here shortly? The most in- some of the most interesting things, I would say, are going to be the chairman's race, the debate over resolutions and the platform, and also debate over rules. We have now had a new rule being proposed by a friend of mine, Alex Johnson, that would put a great deal of power back into the hands of the grassroots party activists and the party worker bees and basically expand the kingmaker class from 300 special you know, insiders to thousands and thousands of grassroots delegates. And it would base in a nutshell, it would allow the conventions the districts and the state conventions <clears throat> to decide whether or not a candidate was eligible to run as a Republican. We can think of examples where a, a candidate who is running as a Republican is just grossly <clears throat> out of step with the Republican, uh, with the Republican grassroots, and yet they get to run anyway, and they can buy themselves re-election. This would be a, a necessary check and balance to the pay-to-play type of politics we've seen recently. We've got a ton of great resolutions that are going to be debated. We've got an excellent resolutions committee with one of the best resolution chairs we've ever had expected to serve in that role. And that's going to be very interesting as well. And of course, the biggest race is the chairman's race. Uh, that race is looking very interesting. Um, and we have all other officers, including my own race. Um, but the chairman in our state is the most important because he sets the tone. He's the CEO of the organization. And the other officers function more or less as advisors slash assistance to him. So the rules debate, resolutions debate, and of course the chairman's race are the biggest things that we have to look forward to at this convention. So um, talk to us about that resolution. What are the exact, uh, the main one that uh, you're discussing? What are the exact parameters of that so our audience knows? Uh, I think you're referring to the rule change that has been suggested in the last uh, last week or so that has mm-hmm. been submitted and got a lot of attention. Um, yes, the as I understand it, it's quite simple. Mm-hmm. The, the proposal is if at a state at the previous state convention or or district convention, if it's a congressional seat before a primary, a motion can be brought forward to disqualify a candidate from running in the Republican primary. If the if the full Republican convention, if the basically the Republican Party for the entire state in convention assembled through their elected delegates. If a motion is made and it is carried to say that certain individual is not eligible to run in our primary, similar to what they did with Liz Cheney in Wyoming, 
what the Republican did with with party mm-hmm. did with her out there. If that motion is made and if it is passed in the convention assembled, then that individual would not be able to run for an office in the primary. That, of course, in practice means that you have finally a check on the monopoly of big money, big influence and big media. If you you have you may have, in theory, a Democratic choice of multiple candidates in an election. But if only one candidate has the resources to be viable, you're really having an unopposed election with the farce of a democratic mandate. It's it's so much choreographed Potemkin village politics. And we live in an era of hyper cynicism in our body politic and anything we can do to remove some of that cynicism and actually give people a real choice for a change and be able to hold politicians accountable is is definitely a good step forward in my judgment. So let me let, let me just follow up on that, Bill. What um, what is I mean the problem? I guess not even a problem. One of the issues that needs to be, I guess, talked about is the the GOP has been a little less than transparent in some of their internal elections. What assurance can can you give uh, party members that grassroots will be uh, you know represented in those? in that convention vote just then won't try to stop grassroots members from, from coming up through the ranks. The, the best example is the Iowa mm-hmm. caucus mm-hmm. in the, in the Iowa caucus, you have a situation where you, it's more about organization and commitment in order to go out on a Tuesday night or a Monday night and in the Iowa caucuses and participate, you have to have a certain level of commitment mm-hmm. in the past. In the past, you have had people, like Phil Graham, Mitt Romney, and others tried to blitz Iowa with money and try to buy the Iowa caucus, and it never works. The Mm -hmm. candidate who dumps a lot of money in the race never works. So we have precedents for this. We have precedents in my own race. In my race, one of my opponents is getting up to $35,000 funding from the Speaker of the House here in Georgia, the same Speaker who refuses to get rid of Dominion, who passed that horrible mental health bill out of the House, which thankfully our friends in the Senate some good friends of mine were able to stop. Um, so he's getting, so the, you know, this opponent of mine's getting thirty-five grand. If you if you divide that by the number of delegates and alternates, you're talking about ten dollars a person. That's the equivalent of about ten million dollars in a primary. If I was running for lieutenant governor, and even was lieutenant governor, if someone dumped ten million dollars against me in a Republican primary, I'd be in a really tough spot. But thank goodness our delegates are more sophisticated. And they're not going to be taken in by some last minute you know, negative campaigning. But that is only possible with a highly sophisticated, experienced electorate. There just is not the precedent from history of situations like this redounding to the harm of good candidates. In ne- almost inevitably, any system where the grassroots activists have more say in who the candidates are, it almost in always results in more people like the House Freedom Caucus members go into Congress. A great example in Virginia, and I'll close with this, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. You, in Virginia, you have, I believe, four Republicans out of their House delegation are members of the Freedom Caucus. Four out of either four or seven, they have seven Republicans, I believe, in the whole of their delegation. Four of them are members of the Freedom Caucus, if memory serves correct. That is over half. Over all nationwide, only one-fifth of Republicans who are in the House of Representatives are members of the Freedom Caucus. And Virginia has a system very similar to this. So when the activists have a greater say, 
in the process of, of candidate filtering and candidate quality review, you see more than half of their congressmen they elect, Freedom Caucus members like Bob Good, that great patriot from middle Virginia. And in contrast to that, when the grassroots don't have influence, you see a much lower result of those kind of guys getting elected to office. I'd say that 99% of your viewers like people like Bob Good, like Jim Jordan, Mike Mark Meadows, Andy Biggs, and, and Marjorie Green, and all the other members of the House Freedom Caucus. I'll bet 99% of them like them more than your typical Republican in the House caucus. Hmm. So in, in line with, uh, with that and in line with the rule change you're, you're speaking of, you know, there's going to be hundreds, thousands probably technically of, of delegates uh, at the state convention in another three weeks. What should they be, what, what should their impression be when they look at camp and now this week Raffensperger and Carr have said they're not even going to attend the GOP convention. What should they make of that? It's important to keep perspective. In, in uh, 2011, then Governor Nathan Deal worked very ha hard and very openly to get his preferred candidate elected chair of the party. It did not go over too well. The delegates did not like to be dictated to in that manner, and she was defeated. And uh, his, his, that is, his candidate was defeated and the incumbent was reelected. And, and in fact, when the governor spoke at that convention in 2011, he was actually booed from the stage. Um, people were, you know, booing him and it was, it was uncomfortable to be sure for him. Well, he didn't speak at many conventions after that. In fact, that may have been his last convention he spoke at and he stayed far away from the party and party, you know, to try to interfere in party elections after that. He learned his lesson. Mm -hmm. It is not, it is by no means unprecedented for a governor not to attend a Republican convention. He ought to, since these are the people who helped get him elected. These 1,600 to 2,000 people, the, the 2,000 plus people who are going to be there, including about 1,600 to 2,000 delegates, these are the people who were the poll watchers, who were the canvassers, who were the poll, uh, poll workers. I can't tell you how many poll workers who have taken to heart the advice of people like Garland Favorito, my good friend of so many years, and gone to become poll workers. There are hundreds of election integrity advocates scattered all over the state who are delegates to this convention, but who are also poll workers working inside the system to make sure you have an honest election and not to come to the convention to, to thank them for the, what they're doing is is most unfortunate but it is not unprecedented it's not the end of the world we will continue to survive and it's important to remember that there are a lot of elected officials who are coming burt jones lieutenant governor who's very popular with the republican uh, volunteers he's attending uh, bruce thompson is expected to attend uh, we're expecting several members of congress including congressman clyde congresswoman green congressman mccormick uh, so we, there are plenty of people who are very well liked by the Republican grassroots who will be coming and, uh, and representing uh, themselves in their districts. And we're very proud of them, of what they're doing in Congress. What is what about Dominion? Are, are, wh what's your position on the machines in Georgia? Our biggest problem right now is we have to figure out how to get a big enough club to knock some sense, a big enough political club to knock some sense into the folks in Atlanta. We clearly do not have the respect for these machines anymore. They have clearly lost the faith of a large enough segment of the population where they have to go. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, how do we get them gone? How do we actually get rid of them? And there have been some county by county efforts to do that. And I'm very excited about those efforts. And I'm helping with those efforts uh, as best I can. I'm also thinking about a statewide grand strategy. How do we mm -hmm. get rid of them statewide? And so far, 
my what we are, what we're looking at is if we have Republican legislators who are obstructing this effort to get a better, more more honest and more transparent and more uh, uh, more accepted, frankly, system than Dominion. If we find these that the committee chairs or leadership are blocking it, we have got to bring on pressure in their districts. We've got to hold events in their districts. We have got to make it very clear to their constituents that this is the reason why we can't do this. That kind of pressure alone should be enough to start moving them. If it is not, then frankly, it probably will be time for Republican leadership at the party level to talk to some of our more generous donors for whom election integrity is a big deal and tell them, look, you know, we're not officially endorsing any candidates in the primary, but we would encourage you to give a generous donation to this fine young man or this young lady who's running for state legislature against this incumbent who's blocking this. There's some legislator who is being instrumental in blocking our efforts to get rid of Dominion and to get an honest and more uh, trustworthy election system in Georgia. And, you know, behind the scenes, quietly, a couple of our larger Republican donors can quietly help a candidate who is running to basically uh, get rid of the system. And the thing is, if we can have a Republican who wins a challenger who's running on this issue defeat an incumbent or two, it will have the same effect as Dave Bratt defeating Eric Cantor in 2014. It will make them finally move. Because here's one of the saddest parts about 2022. It's another reason why we desperately need changes to our primary process. Not a single Republican incumbent in the House or Senate in Georgia, in the state legislature, was defeated for renomination in 2022, except for one individual who was one of the most conservative members. And she was basically just a flood drowned in a t- torrent of money. Mm. But no, none of the weaker, more fair weather friends kind of Republicans, not a single one lost their seat. And that, that is, sends a very bad message to them that they can do whatever they want, basically, and they're not going to be held accountable. Does the rest we, of the party feel this way, or, or are you a lone voice inside the GOP? Oh, no, no, no. The vast 80 to 90 percent of our folks have, and we've done polling on this, 80 to 90 percent of our delegates want us to be more forceful. They want us to have a legislative priorities list based on the, uh, with the issues that are of top importance to our members and our grassroots, and they want us to lobby for them. They want us to do so very systematically, very dis- in a very disciplined manner, in a very similar way to the Texas Republican Party in the way they have their legislative priorities uh, task force every two years when the Texas General Assembly comes in uh, to session, the Texas House and Senate. The Republican Party has a list of priorities. They lobby for them very hard, very intensely. Uh, they go into the districts of the Republicans who are blocking them and, and do events and draw attention to the issue. Uh, that's another thing, too. The Texas Republican Party for many years has been in a very, in a less than friendly relationship with the leadership of the Texas House of Representatives because the Republicans in the Texas House have basically been governing with the assistance of Democrats. They have blocked good bills. They've appointed Democrats to chair committees. They're very, un- that's what they've done is extremely unpopular with the grassroots Texas Republicans. And they're, and they're very, you know, in a very uncomfortable position as far as that goes. The Texas grassroots do not like the leadership of the Texas House, even though they're Republicans. They love the Texas Senate, but not the House. And yet Texas is still doing okay. The Texas party is doing great. Texas remains a red state. 
So it is not in that it is not there's this idea that we must always be in lockstep with our elected officials, that if the organized grassroots, if the party leadership and the grassroots, if we ever you know, state any displeasure with anything going on, that we're somehow opening ourselves up to defeat. Well, that's just not true. And you've got Texas to prove it. So, you can, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. absolutely advocate. If I can just finish, you, if you, yeah. can, you can advocate, and you've been very patient. Thank you. You can absolutely advocate forcefully, with strength, and with consequences for bad behavior, and still defeat Democrats in November. It is not either or. You can hold your people accountable. You can protect your brand, and at the same time, win in November. And I would argue it's a it's a necessity. Let me just say this, Bill. So. We have a situation, Georgia is uh, very important, obviously, in the coming election and, the, and really for the future of the republic. So you have a GOP-controlled legislature, a GOP governor, and we are uh, dangerously close to losing the republic because of the actions of Republican leaders in Georgia, not getting rid of the machines, pushing nefarious bills like this mental health bill you mentioned, ties to corporate um, you know, corporate interests over the people, ties to the CCP in certain aspects. Why isn't the Georgia GOP more forceful and vocal in standing up for the Republic? I mean, I hear what you're saying, but the GOP itself is not doing that. Yes. And the, the uh, main reason is that historically the Georgia Republican Party in the 20 years that we have been in uh, government here in Georgia, that we've been controlling the government of Georgia from 2002 when we won the governor's office and have held it ever since. In the last 20 years, the model that the Republican Party has been working with has been much more informal when it came to legislative accountability, lobbying for things. Uh, It was done more on an ad hoc basis. It was far less systematic, organized until 2021 when David Schaefer created our election integrity task force that I served on and that wrote a list of recommendations, and about half of them became law. Now, the half that didn't become law are what we still have to fight for. We recommended getting rid of Dominion. We recommended getting rid of the drop boxes. We recommended putting an end to no excuse absentee of voting, where you can just get an absentee ballot for any reason at all. You, know, you have to give a good reason. And we, we were going to use Delaware, believe it or not, Delaware, New York is our template, because these are Democrat states, but they actually have pretty strong requirements as to, for getting an absentee ballot. Um, and so we had all these recommendations that were unfortunately not implemented uh, by the legislature, not put into law, but we still have work to do. Uh, that, that's the, you know, the long and short of it is mm-hmm. until recently, we have not been lobbying the legislature uh, or the politicians in general in any kind of systemic uh, organized way. It has been much more informal. The chairman through the years, whoever the chairman was, I'm not talking about Chairman Schaefer, just any chairman in particular would go down to the Capitol and, you know, have a word with someone or, you know, call them up on the phone. It would be much more informal. It needs to be more organized and official. And we're, that's well, there needs to be for. accountability. Is, is well, what that's what we're all about. Well, yeah. 10 years, 10 years ago, I started an educational uh, effort uh, called GACaucus.com. It's mm-hmm. a website to, to educate people on the benefits of giving the grassroots more power over who the nominee was, because that is ultimately kind of, that's the pot of gold, pot of gold, not pot of pot of goats. It is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow to kick out some of the old goats who have, who have lost their focus and lost the zeal to do what they made their promises on and to implement their vision and the promises they ran on when they first elected to office. 
ultimately he who controls the rules, he who writes the rules and he who controls the nomination process controls the party. We have a very serious problem in the Republican Party where you have you have hardworking grassroots activists for whom they're not doing it for any personal reason. They're losing money. It costs them money to participate. They're not doing any personal, you know, uh, glorification or aggrandizement. They are writing our resolutions, our platforms. They're going out to get us our people elected, but they unfortunately are not choosing our nominees. So you have a million voters who are trying their best to choose, but they're often very busy. The the economy is difficult. They're just trying to put you know food on the table, figure out how they're going to pay for gas and utilities, and make the rent or the house payment next month. So they're too busy to do the kind of in-depth research to know the difference between a guy who says the right things but is a liar and the guy who says the right things and is telling the truth. If you had more influence by the, by the grassroots who could keep these elected officials accountable, then all of a sudden you would have a party of elected officials that was as good as our platform and principles. You've got good principle people writing our platform and, and our resolutions and our principles, but unfortunately those people can't hold our elected officials accountable. Believe it or not, mo- you know, most Americans have no reason to be familiar with politics in other countries, but believe it or not, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party for that matter are institutionally some of the weakest political parties, if not the weakest in the entire world. Hard to believe since we're a two-party country, you would think we have a lot of power actually, the power of, ele- of the Republican Party as an institution to control or to influence or to hold accountable its elected officials is virtually non-existent. There is no way for the grassroots in most states to, to hold them accountable um, in any kind of serious, meaningful way. The, and uh, and that, that's one of the reasons I think why Americans are so cynical. They see, the, they see us standing for something with our platform, but not implementing it. And they assume that we're just liars, like all politicians. We say one thing and do another. But it's simply a matter of the people, the good-hearted citizens who write these ideas and who stand for these principles, they don't get to pick our nominee. If they did, we'd have a lot more people like Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, and these other patriots, and a lot less people like Kevin McCarthy and these people who are just in it for themselves. So you may be aware, uh, Brant, that uh, Brad Raffensperger attended a meeting earlier this week from uh, in Washington, D.C., held by Sear, yeah. uh, one of the companies. I watched it, and I watched it, so y'all don't have to. Okay, well, there you go. And founded by David Becker, also the founder of Eric. So one of the he actually made a number of comments that were I found astounding. One kind of goes back to something you said, which is there remains a, a, a deep concern regarding our elections in Georgia. When asked um, by, uh, I believe it was from uh, Major Garrett, uh, what was Georgians' confidence in our elections? He said it was getting better. And he specifically cited photo IDs as one of the reasons. Now, photo IDs have been present in our elections for quite some number of years. Um, And later, he said, you know, folks that stuck with the, uh, I think he used the term stop the steal focus would find themselves you know, not successful because the votes wouldn't follow those kind of people. How do, you, how do you answer something like that when he seems to be going in 180 degrees of what most of us would feel um, here in Georgia? Well, what you have to remember is that in a mass democracy, um, those who control mass media, if control slash heavily influence, the decisions of the mass democracy. So if you have a huge platform, if you control the means of media and news, 
it doesn't matter whether or not what you're saying is true or if only 10% of the country agrees with you. If the media has agreed on a shared narrative, and if, if Fox and if the Fox CNN axis, as we saw when Fox kicked out you know, Tucker Carlson, mm-hmm. we see that they kind of betrayed their uniparty, the fact that they're, you know, they're part of this uniparty dialectic between the acceptable, the acceptable just things you can talk about on Fox News, the acceptable things you can talk about on MSNBC or CNN, but no one is allowed to stray outside of that index card. You know, individuals who dare to speak outside of that dialectic of a Tucker Carlson on the right or a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the left are going to quickly find themselves silenced. You know, the reason why Brad and, and others can say things like that is because they know that the media has come up with a narrative and they're going to push that narrative. So, yes, it's very easy to say that, oh, yes, the public is getting more confident. Well, yeah, that's because they're being told to be more confident. And if they don't act confident, if they don't act like, yes, I agree, the elections are better now. If they don't act that way, they will suffer for it. They will be thought they will be called a bad name. So it's easy to get people to say something, at least publicly, when you're basically threatening them, bullying them into it. But that doesn't change the fact that a huge number of Georgians do not trust the way the elections are being done. They want them changed. They want more accountability. They want more transparency. They want a verifiable paper ballot with currency, with you know, serious kind of currency grade paper. And the, and the simple fact of the matter is we have to have loser's consent in order to have a functioning electoral process. You well, have they, to have, they, the loser uh, has to agree. I'm sorry, the loser, the loser yeah. has to accept that he lost fairly. To have a fair, to have a system that does not degenerate into, uh, you know, a low-grade civil war, the losing candidate in a national election has to acknowledge that he lost fairly. And if he if he's not prepared to do that, and if the supporters aren't prepared to do that, then that means that you better change the you better do something to make sure that he is willing to do that, because otherwise you're going to have a situation where both sides never will acknowledge defeat, and then eventually that's going to lead you to some really dark places as happened in other nations and throughout history. I, I would submit we're already there because I think not do they just want transparency. The public wants accountability for criminal behavior, which we see in our government at this time. Let, let me ask you um, what there's a lot of confusion and we're asking all our guests uh, this week. So it's not a gotcha question, but what, what is the, why is there a Gerald George Republican party and then a Georgia Republican party Inc.? What, what is the difference? What do they do? Um, should people feel good, bad? What's your thoughts on that whole issue? The uh, yes, that is um, that that is an excellent question. And uh, since I'm not the treasurer and I'm not the accountant for the party, mm-hmm. I can't give as as fully developed an answer as I'd like. Okay. But this main this is mainly a matter this is mainly a matter of semantics and a matter of of uh, incorporation. The party had the party incorporated like all parties do as under Georgia law, you incorporate and you have certain limitations on what you can do with your political party. Um, but that's you know, very, right now you can go to the Georgia Republican, uh, you can go to the secretary of state website and mm-hmm. file a corporation. I, I, for example, help the teen Republicans file their LLCs to become, to be able to open a bank account, you know, in Georgia, anyone knows this. If you, if you're trying to open a nonprofit or just a, any kind of group, a bank account, what are they going to say? Well, show us a social security number or give us a tax ID number. When you get a tax ID number, you need to have a LLC or some other type of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is just the basic requirements. If you're going to even open a bank account today, you've got to have some kind of incorporation documents. 
Um, so there, there is, there's been some question about who are members of the corporation, you know, who mm-hmm. has access to documents. Um, long story short, because we did not want Democrats, any Democrat to be able to join the corporation and to be able to join the party and say, I'm therefore a member of this corporation and I get access to all, you know, all the uh, secret documents, all of the stuff we don't want Democrats to see. That's why it had to be changed a little about 10 years ago, that the structure of it had to be changed. Because remember, this is not a for-profit company with stock. You know, when you mm-hmm. join the party for, if you say you join the party $50 a year, that does not, you, you're not buying $50 worth of shares in the company. And that, you know, and like a stockholder, this is not, you know, this is, even though politics does seem like an auction block sometime and you get the best government money mm-hmm. to buy, um, it is in order to keep Democrats from being able to do certain things and to be able to poke their nose in our business, um, we had to incorporate as a certain type of way. But in practice, no any information that is wanted in the interest of transparency or open government, you know, open party government is available very readily because we have plenty of people on our state committee and even our officers like myself who will gladly provide any kind of information about our party situation to any of our you know, party officers, party delegates, you know, anyone who has, you know, who in good faith is requesting it. So uh, this, this is, we have, it's very easy to get the information. You just have to ask, you know, one of your state committee members, uh, just, you know, could you please get me some of this information and we can get it fairly well, fast. I, I think the issue, um, and this has nothing to do with you, but in the past, uh, in Chatham specifically and in Fulton, that wasn't Which, a case because I people, was very active yeah. in both those counties, uh, mm-hmm. by the way, I actually got pro- my I was running unopposed two years ago for reelection as second vice chair. Mm-hmm. And then because at no, you know, because I took a uh, because I offered advice to the good people in Chatham who were getting mm-hmm. railroaded and stolen as a matter of revenge. One of the candidates, one of the people on, who were on the other side mm-hmm. the, uh, basically ran against me just to get even. So it cost me personally a great deal to stand up for honest party elections, honest internal elections. Well, if, that was I my just, point. Yeah. if I'd done like everyone else, if I'd done like most everyone else and just kept my head down and said, well, you know, refer them to someone else and said, well, talk to that person. Um, I would most likely have, well, not most likely, I would have run unopposed two years ago and it would have not have cost me tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours traveling around the state to get reelected. Um, I have paid a deep, a steep personal price for doing the right thing. And I do it again. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, it is, uh, so it does you, come you, with you, a cost. Doing the right thing does come with a cost. You're, you know, as you're reelected in this position, you're going to fight for transparency within the Georgia GOP, which has been, let's just say, not always there. That's something a, that you, yeah. yeah. Well, the state party is the reason why we were able to break, get these things done. The mm-hmm. state party for the last, is, is since, since Schaefer's been chairman, uh, under Chairman Schaefer, the last four years, the state party has been, they have been the entity to which people appeal. You know, when they, when the count, when a county like Chatham was mistreating their folks and, mm-hmm. and were doing things they shouldn't, it was the state to whom that appeal for redress was made and redress was given. I can't tell you how much work behind the scenes Chairman Schaefer did and others like myself did behind the scenes to basically, you know, in, you know force some, so many of these counties force is not too strong a word you know to force them to do the right thing now they didn't listen to us all the time but there were multiple occasions where and you know how this is it's true in life and true in business you know you you talk to the the person doing wrong and you say look we can deal with this here now 
and you can do the right thing, or I can, we can deal with this at the company, you know, meeting next week, you know, at the, at the Monday morning meeting, I can call you out and you can either repent now and do the right thing, or you can be called out in front of everybody and embarrassed. And you know how it is. Most people usually do the right thing if they know that, you know, the, the metaphorical gun is to their head. I can't tell you how many times the chairman worked behind the scenes and I worked with him to make sure that the people who were doing what they shouldn't had that metaphorical come to Jesus meeting. And it's either turn, you know, it's either turn, as the old preacher says, turn or burn. What? Let me ask you one follow. In uh, I grew up in Georgia, Savannah, and, but I left when I was when uh, in college and ended up coming back to Buckhead for a while and working. But um, so I'm a little bit not as knowledgeable as I should be in Georgia politics. But what is the purpose and mission of the Georgia? Republican Assembly. You're, you're heavily involved in that, right? Yes. It's the, the Georgia Republican Assembly is the equivalent of the House Freedom Caucus in Washington. What okay. is the purpose of the House Freedom Caucus in Washington? To mm -hmm. get Republicans to govern the way they campaigned. What is the purpose of the Georgia Republican Assembly? To elect and support Republicans who will govern the way they campaigned within the party leadership structure and within the electorate, the uh, regular election process as a whole, from county government all the way up to statewide. It's as simple as that. Okay. Bill, you got anything else? That, uh, that's great. I think this is, uh, you know, this is the first of what we hope to be uh, a number of discussions, uh, Brant, as we go forward. I think there's one of the things that I think uh, we talked about in a previous conversation was, uh, you know, an educated and knowledgeable electorate is key as we go forward. And the better that we can um help them know how to learn and know know what to focus on the better off we're all going to be so thank you for the your insights today appreciate it I, I appreciate it and i appreciate everyone who's coming to the convention uh, and what they're doing it's going to be some very important decisions and i appreciate y'all's consideration each of you who are coming as a delegate for re-election to continue doing what we're doing over the last two years we have helped almost every grassroots insurgents candidate the, you know, my circle and I personally have worked, have worked with almost all of them, helping them to get to be able to run and make a credible effort of it. And it's cost me a great deal. The Speaker of the House wants me out of office because, you know, they, because I am, have been working so hard to raise money and to help candidates who are standing on principle and not just being part of this good old boy swamp in Atlanta. They want me out so badly they're spending the equivalent of $10 million if this were a regular primary to get me out. And uh, with your help, we'll get back in and keep pushing the stuff and the ideas as we have for the last few years that we all believe in. So brandfrost.com, and I really do appreciate the work that y'all are doing in Georgia Record. And may your tribe increase and grow by the day. Thank you, sir. Take care. Interesting conversation with Brant. And uh, we've got next Susan Oprasuth, who uh, comes at the, a lot of these issues from a different perspective. So before I bring her on, I'm going to ask you to please support MyPillow, promo code CDM, load up your house with really good high quality stuff and sign up for our no ad subscriptions. So with that, I'm going to bring in Susan Oprasuth, who you all are a friend of the show, has been on many times and uh, I think has some interesting perspective on a lot of these issues as the convention approaches. So we were lucky enough to have Susan Oprah Sooth on the Georgia 24 show. Uh, and we spoke with her a lot about a lot of things. And Susan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Todd. I'm glad to be here. So 
Tell us about, well, I have some questions first, then we'll get in some other things. Sure. I want to know what the difference, and we're asking all our guests this this week, what is the difference between the Georgia Republican Party and the Georgia Republican Party Incorporated? And why is there, are there two organizations and what do they do? What, what's the separation for? That's a great question and mm -hmm. one by many. So not that I'm the end all be all, but I think mm -hmm. I can start and we'll be posting more information on our website, but they are definitely two very distinct organizations. Mm -hmm. One is a the Georgia Republican Party, Inc., of course, is an Inc. or a corporation, mm -hmm. and it is a nonprofit um, organized to do nonprofit activities. Mm -hmm. And um, that in and of itself, there's nothing really wrong with that. Um, we know from the business world, we have Inc.s. I have Inc.s and corporations mm -hmm. that have many partnerships underneath them. That's not mm -hmm. uncommon. But what the clincher is for us to understand in the world that we live in, the world of politics, the world of mm -hmm. elections and voting, we have another, the party, the Georgia Republican Party is not an ink. It is a party, but mm -hmm. we, it has to be organized under election law. Right. And that's the difference. So I can have my corporations in my business and I can have many businesses underneath them or DBAs and that sort of thing. But the clincher and the thing that's really disrupting us is that um, we're under election law. There's election law that we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. So the Inc. has no members. Mm -hmm. You can read the Articles of Corporation and it clearly states there are no members. Yeah. So that came as a surprise to many of us because we think we're members. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, in an ink and a corporation, if it's private, you don't have to give people information. And right. therein lies the problem. And therein lies the discovery on my personal part. And also some people I work with, specifically Sarah Thompson in the south of Georgia, because as we went to pursue our rights in appeals processes, thinking we're members, we're finding out, oh, well, you're not members. So you don't have the right to that information. So you and I don't want to misspeak, misspeak. So tell me if I said this wrong. But when you appealed, you thought you were appealing through the party process per election law and you were treated under the corporation per corporate processes. Am I wrong? Or No, that's what that's my perception of what happened. As I said, mm -hmm. it's a very um, it's complicated. And sometimes I think it's not all that complicated. It's mm -hmm. how the, there's a lack of transparency, which is the problem. If someone would sit down and and talk to us and tell us otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, we would be okay with that. So what happened is when I went to through the appeals process, information was denied to me. Well, if right. you're going to a corporation or Todd, you're going to my corporation and you want information, I don't have to give it to you. But And this is like people on the appeals board, contact information, stuff like that. Yes. To and prosecute through, your case. My case in particular, yeah. um, other cases in particular, mm -hmm. and the actions were not done um, according to giving them, like giving us access to even see our, see our own process that was done, get mm -hmm. list, retain list. Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm, um, if I'm not, a, if I'm not a member, none of us are members. The corporation has no members. Mm -hmm. We don't have access to their information. And right. yet, so it seems as if they operate as a corporation 
um, when it is convenient and they're able to suppress our rights. Um, that's what's confusing. So yeah. in the whole election law around the around the state, we're seeing um, county parties um, starting to be arranged, it seems more so lately, as corporations. Mm -hmm. And their contention is they um, doing it for liability purposes. The same reason I would start LLCs um, in my business life right. for protection. But again, you've got the caveat of the election law. And what's most interesting that we at uh, Go Reclaim Georgia just uncovered, we should have seen it earlier, frankly, but um, like everybody else, we're volunteers with a limited bandwidth. Sure. But we just found, to, again, to see the distinctness between the two, we just found a lawsuit with a former state chairman of the Republican Party. John Padgett, mm -hmm. and he was sued in two distinct capacities. One as, you know, George, the chairman of Georgia Republican Inc., and one as the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party. And what was most interesting is the plaintiff ultimately got one and got the proceeds from the Inc., mm. But what's more interesting and pointing to this issue about liability is, sadly, at least from what I'm just really new to the case, sadly, but what the case, I, in fact, I need to send it to you. And again, this is public record, Todd. It's yeah, not sure, like I'm, sure. I'm, I don't expect anybody, and think, in fact, I think that's part of the issue with our, our party, is we need to read. We, we can be critical thinkers. Nobody has to believe me. Nobody has to believe anybody. They need to yeah. go read this. And they will read that he lost $200,000 out of his pocket. With the lawsuit? Yes. As in legal so fees? It, yes. And yeah. you will, it's an ongoing case right now. And I, mm -hmm. anybody can go look it up in the public record. What was he suing for? Well, this was a case in, I think it was 2014. And if I remember right, I say, I just got access to this. I should have had it long ago. Yeah. I think it was a racial discrimination case against mm -hmm. the, the party and the ink. But of course, where they found the money was in the ink. Gotcha. So is this normal? Has this been how it always has happened? I mean, if, if we go to an election to vote for president and they say, well, yeah, you can vote, but you know, the power is really held in the corporation of the United States, not the party. I mean, that, that's, is this a new setup? Or well, is this is what we're trying to really understand, because this yeah. just came as a result of my personal experiences. Yeah. I never, ever expected to to fall into this. But yeah. once you do, and if you're a thinking person, um, which I hope that I am, and I mm -hmm. have some business uh, background, I'm thinking people say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with the corporation. I'm like, yeah, I get it. There's nothing wrong with the corporation. But there is something wrong with the corporation has a board of directors, which you cannot you cannot find. And it's supposed to have bylaws, which you cannot find. And what that's when the problems and as you start going through this, you start seeing there's problems and questions that need well, to be there's answered. all kind of things. There's how they spend money. There's that should be transparent, right? At least within the party, you would think. Absolutely. The, yeah. Well, and what's most interesting is the checks are written to the ink. Okay, so uh -huh. and the ink, remember, does not have members. So okay. then the question is, what rights and 
privileges does a member of the party have versus the corporation? There you go. There you go. And um, in fact, in February, I say we're, we are trying to get this on GoReclaimGeorgia.org on the website. And if not, you know, well, that's that's mm -hmm. our goal is to do that. But in February 2022, um, the Georgia State Committee met in the Buckhead area of Atlanta. And there was a um, on the agenda was a report by the chairman. And so he reported on this issue that mm -hmm. um, Sarah Thompson and I have been bringing forward since we had our personal appeals. And we've been questioning about this and have not gotten an answer. So this is not a new issue. So um, it's a couple years. Well, right in those minutes under the chairman's remarks, section B, he actually, um, says that it does not benefit the party. Wait, in fact, I think I wrote it down somewhere um, to have members. So um, we're like, well, why doesn't it benefit the party? You know, mm -hmm. let's talk That's about what a party more. is. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it more. Yeah. But the issue for people to realize is that, like I said, the officers submit, you know, when you run, all that money goes to the ink. The appeals go to the ink. What's now what's interesting, what we're right in the middle of, and we're mm -hmm. three weeks away from our state convention, our rules and our resolutions are going to the ink. Mm -hmm. And therein lies the issue, I think, in that we're not getting access to that information. So I just um, found out, had a conversation with a fellow that's running, David Cross, and um, I have an email see showing that he did what he said he was going to do, and he has asked, um, he, he emailed Karen Henschel at uh, GOP headquarters, I think, and asked her if we could get the rules and the resolutions for our upcoming state convention um, posted on the website. So again, all this information has always been held very, very tightly. And, you know, there's an argument, of course, that as they're holding that information, we can't really act in the best interest of the people we represent, the voters that voted for us when we're delegates, because we don't have that information. And so what we're trying to do with Go Reclaim Georgia and some other people like David Cross and other great patriots is we're now on this issue of we want to see what's going to come before the assembly. Um, Sarah Thompson and I submitted, I think 20 proposed rules. Now, are they perfect? I don't know, but people should be able to look at them, find mm -hmm. out if they like them, toss the ones they don't like, amend the ones they think are close. But the real problem when we're talking about some of the issues with our party, as I see it, is this lack of transparency, the lack of the well-meaning delegates, and some not so much so, being able to connect, communicate, mm -hmm. um, look at these rules that we're supposed to vote on. I mean, we represent maybe a thousand people or voters of that. We need to have this information. Um, I think, you know, I think I sent you the resolution that um, the resolution that I sent. I haven't heard a, a thing about it. It's hard to find out who's on the committees. Again, if it's an ink, nobody has to tell you anything. Well, one of the, the I don't want to say excuses, one of the reasons I've heard because they do this is so they want to keep information from the Democrats. I mean, so that they can't go in and find information to try to hurt the party. It's like a veil. I mean, well, it's hurting the party that? more. I yeah. mean, you know, you can come across, you, there's always going to be some reason, but mm -hmm. um, to, for state delegates such as myself or even uh, county delegates, 
you know, communication is power. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have, or information, I should say, mm -hmm. when we don't have the information to operate, I mean, our hands are tied. We're not able to operate appropriately. There is mm -hmm. definitely a favoritism involved. Like if you're in the favor um, of certain people, you will get the information. Mm -hmm. um, if you are not, you will not get the information. Has this been even looked at as if it's legal? I mean, what's, what's that? Having this dual party set up? I mean, obviously nobody's worried about it at the, at the state level. I mean, well, um, that's what we're trying, my resolution actually uh, talks about that specifically. And in fact, I, mm -hmm. just in a, in a nutshell, it's at saying that the party, the board of directors of the, um, over the corporation to amend the Inc. articles of incorporation to make the corporation subservient to the party under election code. I mean, what does the election code say now? Does it talk well, about um, having two two entities for a state party, Georgia no, law? The election code just is speaking specifically about election code. I mean, I'm sorry, party structure, political uh -huh. parties, political organizations. And then you've got the FEC, you know, the federal issues involved. There's a lot to this. And it all started, as I said, when we can't get information. Mm -hmm. And the fact is the Democrat um, argument doesn't wash with me because um, who's to say, you know, we can, I can't even communicate with, directly with other state committee members. That's ineffective. I mean, it, yeah. you wouldn't run a business that way. Yeah. So yeah, we're keeping maybe theoretically the Democrats out, but we're also being pretty ineffective lately, we might be able to say. So we better start doing something a little differently, I would propose. What about uh, the liability reason? I talked to one attorney who I respect who said, look, everybody does this all the time. It's to essentially, you know, protect the leadership from liability. Well, then yeah. therein lies the case of I would suggest that he and you and me, and I can look at it further, go mm -hmm. into this case, active case right now with former state chairman uh, John Padgett that has $200,000 out of his pocket that um, they had a corporation there. He had he actually founded the corporation in 2001. I mean, he was on the founding papers. Again, public knowledge he, as the director, John Padgett. So here so this, he is. the corporation in Georgia was founded in 2001, the Georgia Republican 2014 Party. 2014 is okay. when we're seeing them go into a corporation. And we're what we're, as I said, we're still researching. We're now looking into FEC and, and, and different things. But the liability argument doesn't hold when you have an active case of a former chairman being sued. Say, go online and look it up uh, from the corporate corporate angle and the party angle, two separate entities. But the money was in the incorporation, was in the corporation. So she got the money out of the corporation. I, I don't so know. We, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but we operated for 240 years approximately without a corporation, and now we have one. There's something not right. And I and I and what I'm saying in my resolution um, is that, look, you know, if it's not nefarious, then um, that the, the, the corporation shouldn't have any issue becoming subservient to the party, mm -hmm. which is to as I said, operate under election law. I think people really have to look at the information and think about it. We are not just a corporation. We're dealing with people's votes. We're dealing with some fiduciary relationships in some situations. Well, yeah, you have a hierarchy of party structure, which represents, like you said, people below you. 
and then you get to a certain point and the power that you developed by, by, you know, going to meetings and getting elected and all that is taken from you by this other entity at the top. Exactly. Exactly. And um, so, as I said, I would caution people to, if they're going to be talking about, and again, I, I, caveat here i'm not a, a, an attorney yeah. of any sort um a thinking individual college mm -hmm. educated run multi-businesses just like a lot of the other patriots and volunteers mm -hmm. they can read yeah <laughs> read and and we need to get educated and what i'm seeing in the party there's obviously a lot of um division on that and i just encourage people to look at the substance and the principle and not the people I don't care if people don't like me. I'd like them to like me, but mm. it doesn't matter what I do. There's going to be a portion of people that don't like me. You, yeah. everybody, that's just yeah. life. But if you're a thinking person, I, you know, I think as a party, remember, divided we fall. I don't have mm -hmm. to tell you that, whether we're um, Democrats or Republicans or whatever. So, but I do, and maybe I'm naive, but I think most of the people in our party our Republicans of varying degrees, but we don't really much have another party to go to. Now, there's definitely nefarious characters in here, but most of them, you know, go read. I see a lot of well-meaning patriots coming in recently. They're wonderful people. They are passionate. They understand what's happening in our country. But um, I don't have a lot of time to post um, in signal chats and things like that. So I'll periodically, and I knew there was a lot of activity last week, so I went scrolling. I hadn't been on in weeks, but I saw a lot of people asking very fundamental questions. And frankly, I didn't even have the time to answer them. I just go in this format. I, I try to work on Go Reclaim and more so in the future. I try to educate parliamentary procedure. Mm. But my encouragement is read our state rules. I mean, they were asking fundamental questions about the precincts. But also there's a caveat here, Todd, that, that you'll find interesting about reading our rules mm. in that. They're purposely... Um, convoluted. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, this is a, um, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, if you'll let me for a minute, because I'm yeah. saying read the rules, which makes sense. You're smart enough. Read the rules. Read the election code, which is uh, code 21. Um, read about that. Read about your county rules. Mm -hmm. But there's a caveat here, which is unfortunate and, and sad. It may be part of this whole bigger issue. A very recent thing we discovered is, um, there's a chairman's manual that mm. came out in 21. Have you heard of that? 2021 mm. and is current now. Well, I was astounded because we found out, um, actually Sarah Thompson found this out, that in that manual, that's a current manual, two chairmen around the state, that um, they have devised it where there are no uh, precinct committeemen. There's no structure for precinct committee men. Mm -hmm. Well, most people listening to you probably have been hearing a lot about precinct committee men from Dan Schultz, mm -hmm. the precinct committee man, Ronald Reagan had a great quote about that. We all know that's where our power starts. So, um, so they're disenfranchising the people is what you So doing. if someone can get a hold of that and not believe me, or I can post it on our site in a given time. I mean, there's just so much time is, <laughs> yeah. always short of time but um if they can get their hands on it they'll see they allow for the position of precinct chairman and secretary but they've taken away the other positions and they've taken away uh, precinct committee men to sh men rather to sheer volunteers so i'm telling people to read right well if you read our state rules that's different 
So what is this? You know, they're trying to do this in Florida too to get rid of the precinct committeemen and make some precinct captains which have no authority. They can go knock on doors, but that's about it. Exactly. So people have to really be critical thinkers here. If you looking at really saving the party, growing the party, making it better than it's been. Um, we have to be more than five second, you know, bites. Well, well if this was happening in a vacuum and the last three years didn't happen, then maybe you could give them some benefit of the doubt. But when you're looking at the, the, what happened in the last three years, the fact that the party is trying to withdraw power from the people and concentrate it possibly in a corporation is is very sinister, I think. Yeah, there's a lot to look at and we're we're looking into it. I mean, we don't intend to stop. We've been doing it for a couple of years and mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry people that say, you know, it's common to be a corporation. I'd say, yeah, I know I've got a couple <laughs> with mm-hmm. partnerships underneath them. I get that, but I don't have election law. I'm not representing other people. I don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's where the the caveat is. And um, I just encourage people to, to think about that. So I'd like to, you've been kind enough to offer to have me on before and welcome me before if if the offer still goes, especially coming up to convention. What we're asking because we at Go Reclaim Georgia um, are giving people an opportunity to email us any member resolutions and rules that uh, you've taken the time to submit that nobody's hearing about. I mean, I think if the party comes through and puts it on their website, that's a big win. That's great. Mm -hmm. It should be what everybody wants. It should be whatever candidate wants, whether it's uh, Rebecca Yardley or Josh McCoon or Dennis. um, Mm -hmm. I I don't see the the harm in that. So I hope that happens. But meanwhile, while we're waiting for that and for people to get educated, they can send us um, anything, anything they've submitted, their rules and resolutions to um, go reclaim Georgia at proton.me and we're going to collect them and start dispersing them but when you think that we're about to vote on these in three weeks and people have no idea what's out there yet it should be yeah, that's, um, that's that's just not ethical i mean yeah yeah so. yeah and they're important i mean these mm-hmm. are as i said resolutions rules and if they're interested in this ink um, versus the party issue and it's um, no big deal, then why doesn't the ink just subservient to the party? Sure. No big issue. Just accept the resolution. Yeah. Susan, thank you. I want to have you back. Just let me know when you're ready to come back on when, you, when, you, you when so your pot, is, pot of information is full. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank Take you care. so much. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Georgia 2024 show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, support our sponsors, mypillow.com, promo code CDM. Get the great deals and sign up for our no ad subscription. Sign up for our newsletter. Support free media because Fox is dead uh, and there's really not a lot of places to go. But we are growing and rapidly filling the void at CD Media and the Georgia Record and all our national and international papers. So thank you very much. See you next week.